0: It's good to know that Jesus is right and His way is right. And a lot of times when you stand against such opposition and the whole world tells you this is not right, this is not the way, then sometimes it's necessary, no matter how deep you are in God, to pull aside and gaze again into the pages of Scripture and receive a fresh vision of the person of Christ. So it just seems like the Spirit of God wants to reinforce and reiterate what He's established in many hearts. What He's done in us. You know, we've seen things. I'm thankful that God has personally shown me things in my Christian life. I'm thankful that God brought me in the way of true biblical evangelism and taught me that way. Amen, He did that. I didn't do that. It, it, it isn't my own intelligence or, or anything that brought me to the truth. It's a gift. I can' glory in that gift. Amen, my only responsibility, and your only responsibility was to yield to the light that we saw and thank God for the light. And we have to continue to walk in the light. Amen. Because we're responsible. There's an obligation. Because we've seen. Do you hear me? We've seen... Everybody's seen something. But this evangelism that we speak of, we've seen something. You know, when I was a very young Christian, I knew that I was called to preach. And I knew I was called to go into the highways and the byways. I must have been two or three months old and God. And I came off of Times Street. That's where I used to go when I was a sinner. And one night, I went out there by myself because I knew... I was to be a witness. I didn't have anybody to go with me because nobody invited me to go. And I didn't know anybody at that time that did go. So I brought my dog. Amen. Me and my dog. I had a big dog and I brought him with me. Amen. Because I was saved off that street and I knew what kind of folks they had out there. I figured I was saved. I couldn't fight, but he wasn't saved. Amen. (laughs) He didn't have any moral responsibility. So I brought him with me. Were you afraid? Yes. I was, really. I was terrified. I went that night and sat down. That was at the height of the punk rock movement. People with mohawks, the late 80s. People with purple hair, body pierced. You know, that kind of place. Kind of like five, uh, Little Five Points in Atlanta. And I went there and sat down and... The, All I did was read my Bible. I never got up enough courage to even confront someone. I must have sat out there for two hours and in my spirit, I knew, you need to get up and talk to somebody. But I couldn't. I couldn't muster up enough courage even to speak to anybody. And I was so discouraged when I left. And as I was walking down Chime Street, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, "If you'll continue to go, if you'll continue to step in this direction, you will one day stand on this street, and your voice will be able to be heard from one end to the other." I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to come to pass. Amen. I knew. I was called to preach but didn't know how to do it. But as I went on with God, it came to pass. He gave me the strength. A few months later, I was walking across the same prayer ground. You and I were walking across. Amen, I hadn't preached yet. But I would started witnessing to folks. Passing out tracts. Amen, I didn't know the full gospel. I mean, I didn't really know how to evangelize is what I'm saying. And as I was walking across that prayer ground... I heard something. And I knew it was preaching. Just a faint sound coming from the Union. I didn't know anything about Free Speech Alley. I didn't know anything really about open air preaching. But I was drawn over there. And there were two twins there that had been reared up My Brother Jed Smock. And they were there in front of 400 angry people preaching the Gospel. And oh, it so intrigued me. It so set my heart ablaze to see somebody standing for the Gospel. And the Spirit of God dealt with me. I asked them, I said, when do you come out here they said we come every wednesday that's when free speech alley was not just a place but it was an event it was on wednesday afternoon they said we would come out here on wednesday afternoon and as i left there the spirit of god said next wednesday afternoon i want you to go out there and i want you to preach oh i like to not sleep for a whole week i was terrified i didn't know how to preach Tuesday afternoon, I just jotted down some thoughts on a piece of paper. Amen. I went out there. I was the last to speak. I stood up on the bench and just took my sheet of paper with shaking hands. Amen. in a quivering voice and just read my points. Nobody was even listening to me. I was very, very, very discouraged when I was in the world. Amen. In speech class, I couldn't stand up before people and give a speech. My voice would quiver so much. I would stutter back and forth. I could never, ever even stand up before a crowd of ten people. And it was a terrifying thing for me to stand up in front of that many people and preach the gospel. I left that day, even the two twins, even they patted me on the back, maybe you're not called to preach. Amen. (laughs) They they didn't give me much encouragement. But I came back each and every week, each and every week. And after three or four weeks, it was the same every time. The last week, I began to fast and pray. I said, God, if you've called me to preach, then I've got to know what to do. I've got to have a word from heaven. I don't know how to preach. You're going to have to help me. Amen. And I fasted and prayed. And I went there that day. I was just as nervous. I sensed just as much fear. And as I paced back and forth. Across the way there That bench right there It's always been there And across the street there On that sidewalk I just was pacing and praying And it was coming close 10-15 minutes before I was going to speak And in my heart I felt the Spirit of God say Take that little sheet of paper That you wrote all that stuff down on And crumple it up And throw it away And stand on that bench And pronounce my name Or scream my name As loud as you can yeah. Now for- For me to do that now, that's not that big a deal. But for me to do that then... I didn't know what else I was going to say God didn't say say anything else and scream my name as loud as you can And I wrestled with that You understand my heart was beating There was that tension, that crisis Am I going to obey that voice? And I said I'll do it I didn't know what I was going to say But just Jesus And I got on that bench that day Amen And I
1: lifted my voice And I cried the name of Jesus And the Spirit of the Holy Ghost fell upon me And for the first time I preached 15 minutes Fifteen minutes expired and I didn't even know what I said
0: and then I knew I had to rely on the Spirit of God that was God's grace but you know I've seen people come and I've seen people go I've been on the street with many many people I've seen young Christians come to this light and come to this truth and they see it but 10 years down the road They're nowhere to be found. They get married. They have kids. Whatever it is. Do you hear me? But they forsake this. And this is what the Spirit of God... This is the question that I believe the Holy Ghost wants to pose to you and I tonight. If we're still here in 10 years, will we still be preaching the Gospel? Will we obey what we know? Recently, a friend of ours who is a preacher and his wife told us, she said, we've outgrown We've outgrown going on the street. Amen. With a sandwich board sign and screaming at people. Oh, what a terrible statement. I hope I never, never outgrow preaching the gospel of God. Oh, it's the foolishness of Almighty God that's wiser than men. I
1: said it's wiser than men. It's a glorious, a glorious, wonderful thing to proclaim Christ Jesus and Him crucified.
0: It's a glorious thing. It's the wisdom of God. And He's hidden it
1: from the wise and the prudent. And He's revealed it under base. You ought to thank God that God has given us light.
0: He's given us light. And we must obey this light. Amen. Tonight, I just want to reiterate what God has called us to do. Amen. You say you're a pastor. You don't have to do that. Oh, I must. I must. I must go. I must continue. I must do this. I'm an open-air
1: preacher. I said I'm an open-air preacher. And I will always be an open-air preacher. Unless I backslide. I said unless I backslide. If you come six, seven, eight, ten years, amen, down the road to Woodville, and you say, where's that preacher? Oh, I never see him on the street anymore. You can know this. I'm backsliding.
0: I'll always go. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. It's a precious thing. That bitch you see out there, that's a precious place to me. I've had my blood spilled there. I've had my guts ripped out there. I've seen Christ there in a deeper way. I learned more on that bitch than I could have ever learned in a Bible school a great and a precious thing. Oh, I'm thankful. You hear me? I'm thankful that God has sustained me to go and to continue to go through thick and thin and criticism and hell and high water up the mountain,
1: in the valley. Continue to go, son. Go! Go! I hear that voice. Go! Go! Continue to go!
0: We've got to go. We've got to go. There's some of you here. Did you see in this? I said, God's dealing with your heart. Obey God. Obey God. And don't let any man take... Thy crown I said, don't you let any man take That jewel, that precious thing From you, but you do the will of God And I come to tell you, there's a lot That will come to take it from you I said, they'll try to talk you out of it And discourage you But you continue to do the will of God The cost of true evangelism The cost of true evangelism Turn to Luke's Gospel Chapter 9 Luke's Gospel Chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nest, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home and my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back as fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, Father, I come before you as a vessel, Father God, and I ask you, Lord, oh, fill me to overflowing with thy word and with thy spirit, Father. Lord, that we would be encouraged, Father, as Your church, Father God. I'm asking You, Lord, to strengthen each of us here today to continue to set our face like flood. that will not be swayed, will not be moved to the left, to the right, and we will not draw back under perdition. Build our faith by the Word of God. Let us be admonished and exhorted and warned by Your Holy Word. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen to God. You know, the testimony of Scripture reveals that very few who were confronted with Christ's call to follow accepted that challenge. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, And whosoever does not bear His cross and come after Me cannot Be my disciple. It is a condition. I said a condition for discipleship that we bear our cross and we follow Christ. Therefore, a man who refuses Christ's discipline cannot rightly be referred to as a Christian because discipleship is a requirement for Christianity. Very few people really understand and recognize uh, that in this hour, many times on the campus, some of these religious folks will come up many times, they're sincere, and perhaps some of them, a few, could be born again, and they attack the methodology. They begin. They talk about living in sin, amen. They talk about never being free from sin, and I begin to ask them, "Who is your Lord?" And they say, "Jesus." You know, the term "lordship" has lost all its power and all its authority in the church in this hour. And you know, they'll say, "Jesus is my Lord." And then a few moments later, I'll ask them, "Who you know makes the decisions in your life?" You go to school here. What's your major in? English, is that right?
1: Well, who decided that? Oh, I did. I made decisions. I said, How can Jesus be Lord if you're running your own life? Oh. Oh. oh, young man, yesterday
0: said, Well, God gave us a free will. I said, Indeed, He did. You proved that He did. You've got a free will and you're using it. Amen. To reject God, He didn't give you a free will to live independent from Him. He gave you a free will Amen. to submit yourself to Him. There is no love. Love has no virtue if it's gutted of choice. Do you understand? We must choose to love God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Savior. And salvation is of the Lord. Therefore a man who walks with Christ possesses salvation because of Jesus. He is salvation. Do you understand? I have
1: Christ. Whosoever has the sun, has life. If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. Well you don't have the sun, and you don't walk with him.
0: Oh, oh. Most people treat Jesus like a poodle on a choker chain. Dragging Him wherever they want to go. I've had people come out of barrooms and tell me, Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me. No, you left Him. You left
1: Him. You're not going to drag Him into your sin. You're not going to drag Him into your sin. Amen. He's not going there.
0: That's something we need to think about. Not blazing sin, but self-will. We cannot have His life, but we're unwilling to forfeit our own. God's not gonna share His will with our agenda. Amen. Christ must displace this old life. And that is a choice. We've gotta allow Christ to come in and to take over. We cannot save our life and simultaneously exalt His. That's a contradiction. We all have our own To bear What is that? That's an altar What's an altar for? Sacrifice Sacrifice There's a daily sacrifice I read the scripture to you Monday night We've got to present our bodies as a living sacrifice You may say Well, I hadn't really thought about that
1: I can tell you this Every day You're sacrificing something You're either sacrificing your old man Or your old life Or you're sacrificing Christ
0: It's a choice, either by default or directly. We choose to give ourselves this day. I give you, Lord, this body to use for your purposes. Listen to me. That's a must. That's a must. That's a must. You say, what's the secret? Here we are at a street preaching convention. What's the secret of open air? Ministry, I'll tell you what the secret is. A history with God in a hidden place. A history, He said, I see. Amen, that secret place. I see what's done in that hidden place. And I will reward Thee openly. We'll
1: never represent a God that we do not seek. If we will not sit down and listen to God, we're not going to talk to men!
0: We've got to seek His face because we must have His heart. We must have His spirit. Amen let no man deceive you every spiritual endeavor including discipleship involves sacrifice Jesus said for which of you intending to build a tower sit it not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it amen likewise I want you to hear this every facet of Christian discipleship has its specific cost we're talking about the cost of true evangelism and evangelism is no exception. Again, Jesus said the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. That's Luke chapter 10. When did He say that? Right after. He said what we read in Luke chapter 9. Why are the laborers few? Because the sacrifice to enter into the harvest is great. And all of us Amen, to some degree or another. If we have truly practiced biblical evangelism, then we've tasted of that cost to some degree or another. You know, a lot of people think that they're fulfilling the Great Commission because they invite a few people to church every month. Oh, that falls woefully short. Woefully short. This is a mindset in the church. You know, I could go to Brother John or any of the preachers here. You could go to a church and preach on evangelism. Preach on the topic of evangelism. And and preach, you know, wonderful, uh, sound, doctrinal uh, messages on evangelism. And they say amen to you and shout and jump up and
1: down. And you come back a month later. Is anybody going on the street? No!
0: That's not my calling. You know what you have to do? You have to say, you had better go. But even more, that pastor, if that pastor will go, then that church will go. I said, if that shepherd will lead, that sheep, those sheep will follow. Amen. Now, to preach the gospel is to exalt Christ. And if we're truly to preach the gospel as it should be preached, you must understand and accept the 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 cost of that Jesus said and if I be lifted up from the earth I will draw all men unto me Jesus said amen unto him I am the way the truth and the life. no man cometh unto the father but by me Jesus must be lifted up and if we lift up Christ then we're going to exalt truth we cannot say we're exalting Christ while we soften the blow or otherwise obscure the truth there's no cloaking or otherwise God's in Christ if we're going to call ourselves faithful ministers of this Gospel. And we've said that time and time again this week, but we need for that to sit down in our spirit. You know why? All the trouble that you face is because you tell the truth! Or most of it. I remember I heard Brother Clinton say a very comforting thing. He said when he got, got older, after many years in the past, he found out And all the trouble, most of the trouble that he went through, most of the attacks on his character, it wasn't because he was wrong, but because he was right. So you have to know where you are. You have to know the Bible that you don't be moved. I can remember as a young preacher on that very bench that we preached on today, men lining up to rebuke me. Listen to me. When you really don't know everything you believe, that's when they really line up to tell you something. Every devil, every religious demon comes out of the closet. And I can remember having, you know, conversations for hours after I preached to the heathen with all the religious hypocrites. And I would leave there so confused and so tormented, something must be wrong with me. Something must be terribly wrong. That's what I thought But I would go to a secret place
1: and I would pull aside and open the Word of God and a still, small voice would say, Son, preach the Word. Preach it in season. Preach it out of season. Let no man despise thy youth. Reprove.
0: Rebuke. And exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's the elements of real preaching. You say, where, you know, where'd you hear that? I read that in the Bible. I said, I read that in the
1: Bible. That's how I learned that. I read it in the scripture and it jumped off the page. I said, when I needed it, God spoke to me and encouraged me.
0: If you'll go. And if you have a heart to do the will of God, He will keep you in the way. He'll talk to you. I said if you pull aside, He'll speak
1: to you. He'll put iron, spiritual iron, in your bones to stand against the whole world and the backslidden church. If need be, let the wind blow. But stand in Christ.
0: Do the will of God. Do the will of God. Truth is expressed exclusively in the Scriptures. Therefore, the Gospel cannot be accurately preached apart from the declaration of God's Word. We need to be men of the book. I said we need to be men of the book. Wesley said, all I can do is declare what I see in that book. What I see in that book. This is what is meant by telling the truth. Don't you want to be a truth teller? The true soul winner is a man who simply it? To tell the truth. No matter what it means. No matter what the fallout. No matter what the consequence, consequences. Proverbs 14 and 5 says a faithful witness will not lie. But a false witness will utter lies. Amen. What's a lot everything contrary to the word of God? They're not speaking the Bible. See, yeah, I think, I thought, I feel, I suppose, I suggest uh, from my observation. That's all lies. I said it's all lies. Rooted in self and rooted in the devil. Proverbs 14 and 25, a true witness delivers souls. Not builds a mega church, Not sets records in Sunday school attendance. It delivers souls. Men are changed. Men are set free from sin. I'd rather have one individual truly delivered from sin than 10,000 tears. Oh, what a reproach. Can you hear me? I couldn't sleep at night as a pastor if I knew I had somebody hanging in the balance that didn't even have the opportunity to realize what their spiritual state was or
1: wasn't under my preaching.
0: I wonder how most pastors sleep at night. Oh, we got 60% of them your Sunday morning crowd. Oh, Lord, what a terrible, awful. Oh, I said, That's a terrible, awful. Oh, God never intended for the church to be
1: in such a state. Amen. You 60% of cares, you're going to decide to get in or get out. You're defiling God's house. Yeah, that's right. That's
0: right. Oh, what a terrible thing. Ironically, Today, the claims of mass conversions abound, while the popularity for truth-telling continues to plummet. Something's amiss. Do you hear me? Oh, everybody wants to skirt around the issue, but we're having revival unparalleled.
1: Oh, you pardon me for doubting it? Would you pardon me for questioning what's taking place in the church world? Show me men that have backbone to speak the truth, and then I believe there's revival.
0: Yeah, we need to believe souls can be saved, and I agree with what Brother John. I don't want to paint a dismal picture. This gospel works. I said it works, but we gotta preach it, and we gotta preach it God's way, and we've got to be the vessel, prepared and willing. I said prepared and willing. We need to expect men to get born again. We need to pray to that end, amen. But a man who has told us the truth is a man who's applied God's word to our lives, and this is an unpopular thing. In a phrase, 12 truth-telling constitutes biblical evangelism. You say, is there a cost for true evangelism? Yes. Again, truth-telling constitutes biblical evangelism. And two times, this is all this message is, I looked in the New Testament, and in two places, truth-telling is spoken about and the repercussions of it. And these, I mean, this is the cost if you're going to be a truth-teller. The first thing Jesus said in John chapter 8, Amen, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. If you're gonna be a truth teller, you're gonna have plenty opportunity to be discouraged. Plenty opportunity to be discouraged. Jesus said, because I tell you the truth, you won't believe me. Now it seems like if we had the truth, people would believe it. But they'll more readily believe the lie of the devil than the truth of God's Word. The more faithful you are to communicate and express the truth of God's Word, the more ineffective you're gonna seem. It's truth alone that can set a man free. And that's the only thing that can set a man free. But generally speaking, it's the one single thing that men won't hear. I used to work at a plant. they have those national inquirers out there. What would you think about Bigfoot? Had another sighting the other day. What about those Martians that took that, that person in California? I used to go in there and say, you know, you don't have faith to believe the Word of God, but you believe in Bigfoot. You'll believe in Bigfoot. They'll believe in anything but the Word of God. It takes faith to believe that, Fred. You hear me? It takes faith. They've never seen a dinosaur. I mean, they believe all that. All those textbooks. They weren't in the Civil War, but they believe it. They have no experience to believe
1: the, the vast majority of the testimony of history, but they believe it anyway, And they believe in my faith.
0: Believe in UFOs, but won't believe in Jesus. You know, more than likely, if you and I are truth-tellers, we're not going to have a big following, amen, if we're faithful. To tell the truth. The lying prophet always seems to have more immediate results because his message is gutted of all spiritual costs. If we don't submit ourselves to the cross, we'll never communicate the true cost of this gospel or the true cost of Christianity. Amen. I cannot bring people
1: to where I myself have never been. I cannot ask a man to climb a mountain if I ain't climbed it myself. I cannot preach past
0: my experience. Only eternity will reveal the great gulf between the potential that truth has to deliver and the utter inability of anything less. In reality, the truth is always spiritually effectual because the will of God is always done. I can remember when I was younger, when I finally came to that revelation. I go on the street. Everybody wants to kill me one night. I go out there another night or another day and I have what seems like profitable conversations from one extreme to the next. Amen. And a lot of times my spiritual state, amen, would vacillate with my experience. And I remember one day the Holy He goes, dealt with me. My word, amen, is always effectual. If you're speaking for me and a
1: man's under the sound of that preaching of that divine utterance, he will be forever changed either for good or for bad. The will of God's been done. And you rest there. Oh, that'll set you
0: free. That'll give you peace in your soul. Amen. It will always accomplish. Amen. The will of God. It always works. It's eternal ramifications. When applied under the unction of God's Spirit, there's no escaping the divine effects of gospel truth on the human heart. Truth is light can reveal, it can expose, or it can bind. You look in that noonday, sun and stare at it long enough and you'll lose your eyesight. Uh, In other words, if you don't have a healthy fear and respect for the power and the authority of that Son, you stare into it intently. It will blind you. Do you hear me? And people that look at Christ for too long and fail to harbor foster a fear for the Lord Jesus Christ will be blinded by the thing that was meant to be a blessing. Truth as salt can preserve but it can also ruin. Truth as a hammer can break but it can also shatter. We read in Isaiah 6 and we see this distinction of the effects of truth revealed in the commission of that great prophet. Amen. God said to him, make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes as they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. What a calling. What a commission. What potential for discouragement. This is the same prophet that in 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 uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah, after years of telling the truth, he laments who had believed our report. All the mystery, the mystery and the horror of the eternal influences of God's truth on the human spirit. It will feed, it will strengthen the hungry, so while it will offend and deceive and slay the insincere. It always works. It's eternal ramifications. But we need to know this. It's not how it's applied, amen, but rather how it's received that dictates its effect. You need to recognize that. Amen. The responsibility. You know, that that sandwich board sign, they hate that thing. But that's the Word of God. Maybe not verbatim, but those things are all found in Scripture. And they hate it. They detest it. They say things about it. Amen. They they kick against it. Amen. But you know it has its effects upon them. Amen. And listen to me. It's not how it's applied or communicated. But always ask them, is this the truth or not? Well, yes, the truth. But something I don't agree. Is it the truth or not? Remember what Jesus said. And whosoever... "...shall fall on this stone, shall be broken." But on whomsoever shall fall, it will grind into powder. Truth can destroy or deliver depending on how a man responds to its demands. That rock will not change. I said that rock's not going to budge. It's not going to flinch. It's not going to change. The truth, amen, God's rock of truth, men can assail it, men can criticize it,
1: men can attack it, men can try to find fault with it. It's not going to budge. An inch, it's either going to break or grind to powder. That's it. Plan A or Plan B. Hey, not. Nothing else. Nothing else.
0: That's all there is. There's nothing wrong with that rock. It's the who. So ever. Do you hear me? It's how we react. Amen. There's nothing wrong with the truth. There's nothing wrong with the truth. Tell her only how men react to that truth. Now I qualify that to say we have to be in the right spirit. Amen. We just can't be in sin and uttering truths, babbling like a religious parrot. Some truth we don't live ourselves. That has no power. But that can't rightly be called the Word of the Lord. Do you understand? When I say truth, when I say the Word of the Lord, I'm talking about that which is of God, flowing through that which is sanctified to God. Amen. The man who longs to be faithful to God in evangelism, and discipleship others, in ministry period, must simply be content to tell the truth. In other words, if that's my highest aim and my highest priority, then I will never be moved. As a pastor, amen, somewhere there's a secret, amen, a secret ambition to have a large church. I'm going to compromise. You hear me? The slightest hint of a desire to be seen successful by men. And I will compromise. That's any area of ministry. That has to be settled in the very beginning. That I want to obey God. My my success is defined by the Word of God. My reality is framed by God's Word and not by men's opinions of my ministry or whatever. When we purpose in our heart to give folks the naked truth, the opportunities for discouragement are plenteous. Amen. Many times people are going to misunderstand us. They're going to misunderstand our mode. Amen. They're going to say that we don't have compassion and that's something you've got to stand against. Doesn't mean that I can't search my heart. I've had sinners criticize me and it helped me. Really. But I'm not going to be moved from the truth. Do you understand? I can always have more of an anointing. I can always be deeper in Christ. You know that? Do you understand the deeper I get with God the more inadequate I seem to myself. Oh, that's a great truth. I mean, I can't do this in my own strength. Anything that I can say, anything that I can do, anything that I can offer, it's gonna work out to utter vanity. It must be Christ in me and through me. So I can always go deeper in Christ. But I cannot be moved from the pattern of Scripture. I must show an unwavering fidelity to God's way and God's message. Amen. It takes courage to woo men with the truth. Brother Charlie quoted the scripture last night. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And you know, few people will believe what we have to say. Meaning we're not going to be accepted for the most part. We're not we're not people we're not going to share people, you know, share with people the truth and they take it up as their own as a general rule. They're not going to subject themselves to it. They're not going to really, readily follow it. And I'm speaking about it in the church even. How many times have you witnessed to somebody... And see them under conviction, and you prevail in prayer, and prevail and see them come to the very door of the kingdom of God. And at the very last moment, they harden their heart. Listen, to me, you can be discouraged. You can say, "Oh, if I had just done this or just done that, maybe if I got them to pray a sinner's prayer sooner or some kind of foolishness like that." We have to show fidelity, amen. Even in the church, you bring people to disciple them, and you begin to show them the truths, but the cause. Many times it's so high they choke on that and they draw back. Even there's times there's people that I used to have great fellowship with. Amen. Used to eat dinner with them and sit for hours and talk over the deep truths of scripture. And now I can see them in the grocery store and they ignore me. They've rejected the truth. They've drawn back. Amen. They might still be in church. Why? It's the truth. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to be encouraged in Christ Jesus said, "And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Remember, Jesus died for all of humanity. And the vast majority of the history of mankind will never appreciate His sacrifice. That's the way of Christ to give. To be an anointed doormat, as I heard a preacher one time say, to be used and used and used and misused again and used and talked about and slandered and lied about again and again and again. And there has to be a conscious effort in the heart to say, I'm going to be pure in heart. I'm going to love my enemies.
1: I'm going to forgive those who despitefully use me. I'm not going to let any bitterness or anything come in my spirit that me. Files me!
0: I'm going to stay true to Christ. True to Christ. True to Christ. Amen. People refuse the truth of God. Amen. And they refuse us. Because of that truth if we're telling the truth. The second thing, the first thing, many opportunities to be discouraged for those who purpose in their heart to tell the truth. The second thing, it will earn you truth telling. Many enemies in Galatians 4 and 16. The apostle Paul says, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? A lot of enemies. For the man that says, "I'm going to tell the truth," the more faithful you are to communicate and express the truth of God's word, the less popular you will become. You know, there was a time in my Christian life. I said, "You know, I need sanctification in this area. I need to press in in this area. When I get this straightened out, Amen. Then I'm going to be more, you know, uh, uh, effective, so to speak. People are going to receive better." And I found out the closer I got to Christ, Amen, the more misunderstood. That I was. I ditched that. I realized, oh, that's a false hope. I'm going to press into Christ. I'm going to walk in His footsteps. If we're faithful to express the truth of God's Word, we will garner the labels of harsh, unloving, insensitive, and unmerciful. Even when people refuse to come to the light, they'll lose the ability to see. The eye that's not exercised and exposed to light loses its power to focus. And darkness always provokes the worst kind of fear. You take a blind man, a man in the dark, Amen. He can't see. He will mistake him what's meant to be a blessing as something dangerous. And you see, what you have is people that sin against the light and sin against the light. And they're just in such gross darkness that there's utter confusion. Like the brother quoted last night, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. Amen. They don't know the difference between light and darkness. They don't know the difference between good and evil. They're reprobate. And they will attack, amen, that which is righteous and holy and think they do God a service. Because really the root of all that is, is now in their eyes, Satan is God. And God is Satan. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. That's all that is. It's a substitute for Christ. And the devil has that always, has had that ambition to take the place of God. Out of such fear, men will indiscriminately strike out to protect themselves. When the truth of God's Word comes, either in the Gospel to the sinner or in doctrine to the saint, it comes to reveal Christ. I'm talking about real doctrine. It always comes to unveil the Lord Jesus Christ. But more of Christ always means less of us. That's always the cost, always the price. The only hindrance tonight for you and I being conformed to the image of Christ is us. We have as much of God as we want. Do you hear me? We have just as much of God as we want. Amen. The truth of God's word, the gospel always presents the cross. You know, you hear people say this when you preach open air. And I've had people say it in the church. When you preach, I sense such hatred. But you know, I begin to think about that because I've had it said to me many, many times. And you know, I always said, no, that's not true. I love you. But as I began to meditate on that one time, I believe the Holy Ghost showed me, you know, they do sense hatred. They sense the hatred of God against what they love. And what they love is their God. And you know what that cross is, it's a threat to their God. It says death to everything. that's not Christ. That's what that is. You hear me? If I truly preach the cross of Calvary, amen, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, amen, the invitation of Christ is the invitation to die. And that sinner sits danger. And I tell you what, men, men become very, very violent when you attack their God. I was thinking about what Brother Nate said, you know, just in the natural realm. You know, you're really not disturbing the peace unless you use fighting words. I begin to think about that. There's nothing more that can be more defined as fighting words to that sinful nature
2: but the gospel.
0: It really is fighting words. Amen. I know it won't be defined like that by natural law, but I'm saying I want your God and I want to take your God and drag, drag him out, kicking and screaming if need be and nail him to a cross and put him to death, oh. slaughter him without mercy. Yeah. Can you hear me? That's what that cross is saying
1: to that old man. That's why that sinner says I sense such hatred. He needs his eyes open. Like brother John was saying, he needs to see the penalty of the law. He needs to see that indeed I must agree with God. I'm worthy of death.
0: If you hadn't seen that, you hadn't been born again. I'm not talking about having an intellectual understanding of that. But if you haven't, amen, travailed under conviction, I'm going to tell you what conviction is. The most tormenting thing. Amen. I likened it to almost insanity. I thought I was going to lose my mind under such horrible, terrible pressure. The Spirit of God calling me and wooing me and giving me ultimatum every single day drawing lines for me. Repent and follow me. I cross that line. He said that thought would come to me. How many more lines can
1: I cross until one the Spirit of God. Even as a sinner, I knew it was God. He said, It's tonight or it's never. Your faith will be sealed.
0: I fell on my face and I got right with God. I got right with God. Amen. That conviction, it was terrible. Suddenly everything that I enjoyed was awful and terrible. Everything was death. The only narrow hope that I saw was the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what true conviction, amen, it'll bring a sinner to such a place. And if that cross is represented, then amen, that message is going to be communicated. And that's nothing more than telling the truth. And you're going to make a lot of enemies when you demand the people. Slaughter their God. You hear me. Give them up for execution. Self-preservation always provokes the most rigorous self-defense. Men who are otherwise peaceful and serene can be aroused to the most horrid violence to save their own souls. You know, we we confront sinners, you know, a lot. You get to this place where you think, Sinners, you know, this is the way this guy lives. Screaming and hollering. Walking up the, down the halls of Shoe, Angry, slamming the door through his locker. I guarantee it's not that way. If you could walk around with him, he might seem like a polite young man. Until he's touched by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what they have to deal with. I told somebody the other day I read this somewhere, I heard a preacher say it. That preacher, Amen, is like the garbage man. And that garbage
1: as they came out of it. Do you hear me? As to see where did this come from? What am I? Indeed this is what I am. How is it that I sat in front of a gospel preacher and read pornography all afternoon? What in the world is wrong with me?
0: See, we think all that guy's like that all the time. He might be. That is what he is. See, that there under the light. That's what really defines what a man is. It's all hidden and tucked away under the surface. And when there's a veneer of religiosity and humanistic morality that covers that, and only the power of the Holy Ghost can unveil that. But if we do that, I said we show men who they are. We bring
1: that mirror out there, that holy divine, eternal mirror. Someone wants to break it and do away with the light That's you and I that becomes the image of Christ.
0: They crucified Jesus. People forget that. He was murdered. Sometimes I just tell that to people on the street religious. You know Jesus. They murdered him. They act as if he could have ran for governor. He was murdered, despised, and rejected. I'm not out there to be hated. I can be hated without being a Christian. Do you understand? But the hatred I've found that sinners, amen, will heap upon the Christians. There's something altogether different than any other hatred that I've ever experienced before. I was a wicked and evil man. I don't know about you. I did a lot of evil things. I hurt a lot of people. But I never have experienced the hatred like I've experienced as a Christian for doing good and not evil. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. Hence, we should consider the price of preaching the gospel uninvited and often unwanted. Amen. Whether it's in the church or out. John 7 and 7, Jesus said, The world cannot hate you, but me it hated because it testified that the works are ever evil. In other words, I'm telling the truth. John 8 and 40, But now you seek to kill me. A man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. In other words, they said. And we're right with
1: God. We're church-going folks. Oh, no. And with the seed of Abraham. The same kind of people out there that say, we love Jesus. We go to church. And then Abraham didn't try to kill Jesus.
0: And if Abraham was out of LSU, he wouldn't oppose us. You hear me? He wouldn't oppose us. Eloquent words and kind expressions don't necessarily minister life to anyone. In fact, it can be exactly the opposite. Romans 16 and 18, speaking of false promises by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. That's all they're looking for. How many times have you heard people say, He's such a nice man, such a nice Christian man. You know, they never thought Jesus was a nice Christian man. As the world knew him not Therefore they don't know us the world didn't recognize The
2: world didn't recognize The Messiah And the world's not going to recognize true Christians
0: Do you hear me? He came, he was He fulfilled prophecy He was the manifested Presence of God He was God manifest in the flesh and they rejected Him. And the true church will be rejected. Amen, we're going to follow in His footsteps. It takes courage and resolve to tell people what may motivate them to hate you. Jeremiah 9 and 3, Amen. speaking of the false uh, prophets of His nations, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. Amen, we've got to be valiant for the truth. But as Christians, let us be encouraged with the instruction of our Lord. In Matthew 10, Jesus commissioned the twelve and commanded them to preach, then He warned them of the cost of telling the truth. In verses 16 and 18, He said, Behold, I send you the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for My sake. He said in verse 21, And the brothers shall deliver up the brother to death. Amen. Verse 22, he says, And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Who? All men. Everybody. Every last sinner. Amen. Everybody that's not regenerate. Amen. They may seem like they agree, but you let the pressure be put on. You let any sinner
1: that's not willing to submit to Christ be hemmed up by the Word of God and divine truth. You better not trust that sinner. You love Him. Amen.
0: You pray for Him. But don't you trust Him. Amen. Matthew ten twenty six through 27 Fear them not therefore for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in the darkness that speak ye in the light and what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops. What a commission. What a call. Amen. What a call to boldness. Oh, what an encouraging thing for Jesus to say. What I tell you and see. That tells me right there you better be in secret. You better have your ear tuned to heaven if you want something to say to men. Or what He tells you to say, amen, say it with boldness. Like Brother John said, say it with passion. Amen. Believe what you say and say what you believe. Matthew 10 and 34, think not that I come to sin peace. On earth I come not to sin peace. A sword. I suppose religious folks believe this is not peaceful. It can't be God. That's what they think. That's it's that simple. This is this is not peaceful. This cannot be God. The reason for the reaction is that our message contains Christ, our truth. He said in Matthew five eleven, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Acts 9 and 16, for I will show him, uh, Jesus speaking of the Apostle Paul, how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. It's not anything about me, not anything about you. We're not worthy to be hated by this world, but it's Christ in us that's hated. 1 Corinthians 4 and 10, we are fools for Christ's sake. Amen. Fools for Christ's sake. If we will preach this gospel, we're going to earn many, many enemies. And that's a fact. There are many fields out there that most will never tread. Amen. Much less plow. In fact, there's some of those right here. Amen. Some of you are involved in things that nobody else wants to do. Amen. But we've got to count the cost of the biblical evangelism. We need to be truly prepared to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, over the years, I've been to a lot of different, you know, churches, different ministries conferences, seminars on how to evangelize. And I just kind of put in a nutshell the impression you're left with when you go to one of these things. And this is what they t- the main issue is. Nothing more than something like this. Be nice, be polite, be respectful. Smile, make a good first impression. Dress short, comb your hair, shine your shoes, use mints, and use deodorant. Sounds more like an Amway convention. Used car salesman convention. Amen. And the preaching of the gospel. In the July two thousand one issue of Charisma Magazine, they gave tips on do's and don'ts on witnessing to homosexuals. These were the do's: know your pastor's and denominational's office position, official position. Invite speakers to address your church. Stick to verifiable facts. Admit error. We've made mistakes. Stay flexible. When discussing theories, but adamant when discussing the Bible. Show Christian love. Don't do not attack people. Do not stereotype people. Do not use cliches like sodomites or queers or some other such cliché. But don't you notice this? When you read through something like that, charisma gives us very little encouragement to just tell the truth. You know why? Because they won't sell magazines. Amen, if they do. It's not their spirit. You hear me? Amen, they're apostate. And that's why they say such things. If we wish to preach God's Word, amen, then we gotta be warned. We are going to be hated. We're going to be mocked, ridiculed, perhaps jailed, and maybe even killed. And that is the truth. And I tell you just, if you just go out into the highways and the byways, then you see that indeed we're moving toward that. That spirit, there's just a restraint there. But i tell you, this this culture and this current generation, in their spirit, they believe that America would be a lot better off
2: without us.
0: We need to tell the truth. And if we do, there's going to be the opportunity to be discouraged. There's going to be opportunity to make many, many enemies. Let's stand tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You know, as I said in the beginning of this message, what I truly believe is that God is also encouraging. I know I hadn't told you anything that you don't already know, but I believe the Spirit of God wants to establish, to solidify in this truth, to reconsider the cost of truly being faithful. And listen to me, if we don't continue to go to how will others be compelled to go? You know, those two twins that were preaching at John LSU, they were instrumental in me going. Because there was an example. There was a living testimony. There was the Word made fresh. There was living epistles that I could learn. And I said, oh, that's God. I need to be doing that. So we have the opportunity to be such examples. And I believe that there's been light-given. Trust I believe some of you, perhaps new to this, and God is dealing with you to be faithful and true to Lord And you have the purpose in our life. We Let's pray, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the truth. It's our desire to be faithful, to tell the truth. To truly be witnesses in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the supernatural, sure, blessed and out of the day. As we make covenant, as we come to make covenant with you, Lord. We live out of great station in and out of our ministry. But Father, we want to be kept. We want to be maintained. And we want to go deeper. In you. And we want to continue to be faithful to that good condition. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen to the Master, come, be with the Lord, come and help us, and let us just make covenant if God is believed by faith.
1: Ask Him to stay on soul, for evangelism to keep the power from God, remember the Lord by you. know the truth, you see. You know the
0: right, you see. And ask God to solidify you in that. Ask Him to solidify you in that. To be a blessing in that. A vessel in person. I'm heading to the